Well, good morning and uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, my name is Warren, and as you have no doubt worked out by now, that is actually a, a genuine TV commercial uh, that was put out for this Christmas season uh, by the British fashion company Mulberry, uh, who uh, specialise in women's handbags, uh, or so I'm reliably informed. So what do you think about that video? I tell you, every time I watch it, I get all conflicted. Uh, because, let's face it, it really is quite a funny video, isn't it? Uh, I, I particularly like when the shepherd comes in and says, I wouldn't normally go for red. <laughs> well, that really works, doesn't it? But I'm conflicted. It's funny stuff, and I laugh when I watch it. But as a Christian, I watch it. And I'm also horrified, appalled, offended, as uh, many Christians in Britain were over the last few weeks uh, after seeing this particular ad. Uh, the fact that these advertisers would replace Jesus, the Son of God, with, with a with a handbag, <laughs> quite blasphemous, really. And so in the end, I'm both amused and appalled at the same time. And so I wasn't really sure whether to show that video here today or not in church, for, for fear of offending somebody, uh, particularly on Christmas Day. Uh, but that is until I realised something. I, I realised that this ad is actually one of the most biblically correct commercials I've ever seen. That's right, you heard me one of the most biblically correct commercials I've ever seen. Now, before you start nudging the person beside you and whispering, where did they get this Christmas fruitcake from, let me see if I can explain what I mean. No, I don't mean the ad is biblically correct in the sense of getting the Christmas story right. Okay, because obviously they, they failed miserably there, didn't they? I mean biblically correct according to another part of the Bible. A part of the Bible called Romans, chapter 1, verse 25. A verse that I want us to look at briefly together this morning. Here, look with me at it now. It's up on the screen. And it says, They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Now, I reckon that this verse proves that that ad we just saw is absolutely biblically correct. I mean, let's think about it for a moment. What does this verse say? It says, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. So what is the truth of God that this verse is talking about? Well, put simply, it's the truth that God is truly awesome. The, the truth that he is totally amazing, extraordinary, glorious, breathtaking, it's the truth that God is unlike anything or anyone else. After all, I mean he is the one and only eternal God, the, the sovereign Lord of history, the source of, of life and the sustainer of it, the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise creator of everything. See, at the end of the day, everything that exists belongs in just one of two categories – there's, there's God, the creator, and then there is everything that God has made, the, the creation. So the truth of God referred to in this verse is the reality that God is of supreme value. The one worth celebrating above all else. But in this verse we're told that they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. In the case of this commercial, the lie is, of course, that a handbag is to be valued above all else. And so it's worthy to be worshipped or adored above 
Well, even God himself. Just like the verse goes on to say, look with me, it says that they, they, they worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. In this ad, it's the handbag that's worshipped and praised above all, isn't it? And I know that it's all just tongue-in-cheek, but still the ad claims that this handbag is worthy to take Jesus' place as an object of worship. And so we see these people worshipping part of the creation instead of the creator. Their love, their devotion, their adoration is directed not, not to God, who is worthy of eternal praise, but to a handbag. Which, when you think about it, is pretty silly, isn't it? Because, I mean, what is a handbag, anyway? If I can speak bluntly for a moment, I'll tell you what a handbag is. A handbag is... Well, it's a piece of skin from a dead cow, isn't it? <laughs> That's what a handbag is. It's, it's a piece of skin from a dead cow. I'm sorry if you got a handbag for Christmas. <laughs> sure, it's very beautiful, okay? But at the end of the day, there's no getting around the fact that what it really is is a beautiful piece of skin from a dead cow. Now, here's my point. Well, who made the cow and its skin? Well, God did, didn't he? And who made the designer of the handbag too? Well, God again. And who gave that designer his or her creative abilities? Yep, God again. And so you see, to worship the handbag, to worship the creation over and above the creator, it's a bit silly, isn't it? Actually, you know what? It's more than just silly. It's downright offensive. I mean, think about it for a moment. Uh, last night, my, my wife Beth cooked our family a special Christmas Eve dinner. And I tell you, uh, she went all out. She was in the kitchen all afternoon, cooking up a storm. And in the end, I, I sat down to a plate of tender beef eye fillet with, with cheesy gratin potatoes and uh, steaming minted peas. Oh, it was a wonder to behold. It was a wonder to smell and, oh my goodness, a wonder to taste. Why did Beth go to all this trouble? Well, she did, as, she did it as an expression of her love for us, her family. But, but imagine for a moment that I sat down at the table last night in awe of all that lay before me, savouring the sight and the smell of it all, and then taking my first bite. Amazing. Now, you can imagine Beth's delight at my enjoyment, can't you? But now imagine Beth goes on to ask, did you have a nice day, dear? And I just completely ignore her. <laughs> and so she tries again. Sermon ready for tomorrow, dear? To which I, I, I respond by going, shh. But she doesn't give up. Would you please pass the salt, dear? To which I look up and reply, Beth, would you please be quiet? 
I am trying to eat my dinner here. Could you please, I'll tell you what, could you please just go away and leave me alone to eat in peace? I'll tell you what, just go into the kitchen and get my dessert ready, okay? <laughs> that would be so rude, wouldn't it? No, in fact, it would be downright offensive. Beth would be perfectly within her rights to tip the Christmas pudding all over my head. <laughs> See, the problem is not that I've enjoyed the dinner, the, the, the dinner that's been made for me. No, 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 that was always Beth's intention. The problem is that I have, I have loved and adored it over and above her, the one who made the meal for me in the first place. But, you know, to do that with God is an infinitely greater offence. To, to love his gifts more than him, the gift giver, well, it's not, nothing less than an act of contempt at the highest level. It's to say to God, God, I don't really want you. What I really want is the skin of a dead cow that you made. Now leave me alone. Not that those exact words are necessarily used, but, but that's the attitude of the heart. And it's totally offensive. In fact, off the offensiveness scale. And understandably, then, it's an attitude that makes God very, very angry. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who offend God in this way deserve e eternal punishment. Hell. It's a terrible thought. But friends, that's why this verse here is so troubling. Because you see, this verse isn't just talking about the people who made that video. It's talking about all people. When that verse says they, you see the word they? When it says they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things. The word they is actually referring to, to, to all humanity. It's referring to to you and to me, uh, to all of us. And so you see, this ad really is biblically correct after all because it's an accurate depiction of what the Bible says we've all done, which of course means that we're all deserving of God's punishment. See, it's not that we've all, we're, we're all hamburger worshippers, though some of us might be, but in one way or another, we've all exchanged the truth of God's infinite value for the lie that something or, 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 or someone else is, is more worthy of, of our time, of our, of our love, of our adoration. See, you might not be a religious person, but you still worship something. We all do. We humans are unceasing worshippers. We all have something we live for, uh, something we devote our time to, de derive our identity from, feel we, we must have to be okay. And it could be any number of things. It could be possessions, for example. You know, perhaps, perhaps money or, or, or a nice car, uh, the beautiful home uh, or the latest gadget, not nice clothes or... or Accessories, jewellery, the handbag, 
Or it could be something different. It could be, it could be perhaps prestige that we long for. You know, the high status job, the, the, the respect of our colleagues, uh, the approval of our parents. Or it could be something different again, or perhaps something relational. Now, perhaps, perhaps we cherish family above all, or, or the thought of some romance, or sex. Or maybe it's recreational. You know, we, we live for the next holiday. We live for the weekend. We, we live for the next party. We live for our hobby. Now, notice that none of these things are actually morally bad. Now, they're all good things that God has made for us to enjoy in the right context. Things that are meant to point us to God as the giver of all good gifts. But when these things become the source of our, our identity, or what we feel we, we, we need to make life worth living, well, that's when we've taken a good thing and made it into a God thing. And that's a bad thing. Instead of loving God with, our, with all our heart, soul, mind and strength, we just try to take his gifts and run. But to only want God for his benefits and not for himself, well, that's what the Bible calls idolatry. And the Bible says that idolatry is deserving of eternal punishment. And we're all guilty. But friends, herein lies the irony of Christmas. I heard a story a couple of years back about a Sydney mum, uh, Melissa Cook, who got so fed up with her kids and their rotten behaviour that she ended up cancelling Christmas. That's what she did. She cancelled Christmas. At the time, she had three kids, a boy aged 11, a girl aged 8, and another boy aged 6. And apparently, in the lead-up to Christmas, the three kids were just awful. Uh, at one point, the girl stole $50 from her father at 3am in the morning. And uh, then the next day, uh, she left school grounds at 10am to go to one of the local shops so that she could buy some lollies, um, only to then give peanut M&Ms to another kid, who happened to have allergies, who then ended up in hospital. As you can imagine, Mr and Mrs Cook went ballistic. But the girl didn't stop. Now, one day she even dragged her younger brother to the main road to beg for money from passers-by so that she could get some more lollies. Uh, the older son, too, kept disobeying his parents. Uh, none of the kids would go to bed when they were told to. And they were, they were fighting and squabbling all the time. Both parents ended up in tears, so frustrated with their kids' awful behaviour, such that, in the end, Mrs Cook decided to cancel Christmas. She took down the Christmas tree. She went and took down all the decorations that had been put up. And so I'm sure, as you can imagine, that Christmas morning was a pretty dismal one for the Cook family. Mrs Cook recalls, usually you're, you're dying to get up to see the kids rip their presents apart. But that morning, we have creaky floorboards. We could hear them wandering around the house, looking for presents. 
And they were whispering, do you think they're hidden? Where are they? I can't see them. Now, I don't know what you think about this particular parenting technique. Uh, There was certainly a time in my life when I would have heard this story and thought to myself, how could a parent ever do something like that? Uh, That was most definitely in the days before I had children of my own. (laughs) Now I get it. (laughs) But anyway, I'm sure that you'll be happy to know that in the end, the story has a happy ending. Uh, Because several days later, the Cook family, they did enjoy Christmas. But only after the kids turned their behaviour around. And only then... Uh, did they receive their presence and only then were they able to celebrate. Uh, Here's the point I'm trying to make. Friends, we haven't just stolen lollies. We've sinned against the God of the universe. We've stolen from him the glory that belongs to him alone. The fact is God would be perfectly within his rights not to just cancel Christmas, uh, but to cancel us to cancel out our existence, to throw us into hell and be done with us once and for all. But as I said, herein lies the irony of Christmas. Because even though we've all deeply offended God with our creation worship, God didn't cancel Christmas. In fact, it's the very reason he gave us Christmas in the first place. It's the great irony that when we rejected God, he didn't reject us. When we turned our back on him, he came to us in the form of a newborn baby. A baby who would grow into a man who gave his life on a cruel cross to face the punishment for our idolatry so that we would never have to. Jesus, who rose again from the grave and now forgives and grants eternal life to every person who relies on him to rescue them. And so, friend, today, if you haven't already, I encourage you to ask Jesus to forgive you for your idolatry, for the way you've tried to to find satisfaction in the things of this world rather than in the one who is behind them all. The only one who can truly satisfy your soul. Yes, I encourage you to ask Jesus for forgiveness today. And then, I encourage you to start worshipping him as he deserves. How do you do that? How do you you stop worshipping the stuff of this world and start worshipping Jesus instead? Well, I think that that only happens when you come to see for yourself just how amazing Jesus really is. Earlier this year, my family and I were able to travel around Australia as part of our long service leave. And as we did, we stayed in lots of caravan parks. Now, we were in one particular caravan park up in sunny Queensland, uh, which, which had a little playground. Uh, really wasn't very much at all. It kind of had, you know, had a slide and a swing... That was it. Now, one particular day, we we had plans to visit one of the major theme parks up in Queensland. Uh, Now, I've got a couple of preschoolers, and uh, they were over in this little playground. So I went over to them and I said, OK, guys, come on, time to go, time to go. 
To which they replied, Oh no, Dad. We're having so much fun. We want to stay here. No, guys, you don't understand, I said. We're off to one of of Australia's premier theme parks, to one of the most popular tourist destinations in the entire country. Oh, but Dad, they said, can we just stay here? But kids, you don't understand. This is, this is just a swing and a slide. <laughs> Where we're going, they've got amazing stuff like, like roller coasters and a Ferris wheel and dodgem cars. Oh, Dad, no, we don't want to. We're having too much fun here. To which I said, look, kids, Daddy's spent a lot of money on today's tickets. Now get in the car. We're going. <laughs> so we all pile into the car and off we go. And we drive on into the the car park of this theme park. And the kids caught their first glimpse of all the rides and attractions that awaited them. Well, you should have seen their faces. (laughs) To which I asked them, as only a dad can, Hey kids, do you want to go back to the playground at the caravan park? No, Dad! No! See, sometimes we've just got to see for ourselves. Sometimes we've just got to see for ourselves to truly get just how amazing something is. Well, friend, today I hope you've seen something of just how amazing Jesus is. Amazing in his power and creative genius. And amazing in his kindness and grace too. That he would not only give us every good gift in creation, but offer his very self too. Born to save us that first Christmas morning. Yes, I hope that you today have caught a glimpse of just how worthy of your worship Jesus really is. And how much better he is than anything this world can offer. But friend, can I urge you, Don't be satisfied with just a glimpse. Oh, there's so much more to see of him in the pages of the Bible. And so here's what I want to encourage you to do this Christmas morning. Today I want to encourage you to read through one of the biographies of Jesus in the New Testament. One of the four Gospels to see for yourself just how breathtaking he really is. You know what, even if you've done that before, well, today I challenge you to do it again and to let it fill your heart with wonder and adoration. Uh, On the magazine rack up the back there, just beside the door, I put uh, put lots of copies of the Gospel of Luke. It's called uh, The Essential Jesus, but it's the Gospel of Luke. And friend, uh, you are very, very welcome to take one for yourself today uh, or to take one for a friend uh, to read it. But friend, this Christmas, let's all look afresh at Jesus, shall we? And let's all worship him as he deserves. Friend, this Christmas, come. Come join the angels who shouted his praises in the night sky. Come come join the shepherds who bowed low in wonder at the tiny God-man. 
Come join the wise men who lay their treasures at his feet. Come. Let us adore him.